This is Method to the Madness, a public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm speaking with Nina Myers of Food Bites and Claire Schlemme, CEO and founder of Oakland-based and alumni startup of Food Bites, Renewal Mill. particularly interested in what's coming up next week with Food Bites. But first of all, Nina Myers, tell us what you do for Food Bites, how it got started, what's the history, and what's the problems that you're trying to solve. Sure, happy to. And thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Food Bites, quite simply, is a pitch competition and networking platform for sustainable food and ag innovators. So it started four plus years ago. We're actually about to do our 15th Food Bites, which is in San Francisco, which is where it all began. So it's founded by Rabobank. Rabobank is one of the largest food and agriculture banks in the world. And in North America, our clients are some of the largest uh, and mid-sized food and ag companies. We started to see that, you know, we're working with a lot of our corporates and they're facing a lot of challenges in innovation. We're, you know, we're all faced with this idea that we're going to have 10 billion people on the planet by 2050. We need to feed those people and we need to do so efficiently. There's lots of environmental challenges and, and there's a lot of startups that are starting to create nimble ways and test and experiment and are basically building technologies and products that are solving those challenges. And so we, four and a half years ago, said, we want to do something that's just for food and ag. There's lots of pitch opportunities out there for tech startups. There's lots of things that are, you know, cross-disciplinary. But we said, let's bring our knowledge to the table. Let's bring our corporates to the table and investors that are just looking at food and ag start to create an ecosystem where those startups can make the connections to help scale their technologies. And on the converse side of that, that the corporates can start to build relationships and really start to think about these ways that innovation is happening to bring into their own businesses. Tell me how it operates. Like, sure. is, is it a competition? Yep. So it is a competition in its most essential form. We look through hundreds of applications, we score them, and we come to 15 startups that we select to come and pitch from all around the world. And we're looking at on the product side, on the tech side, on the agriculture tech side. So we're looking at like ag tech, food tech, and food products. And they basically have a two-day experience, jam-packed. But we basically bring together our network of mentors in the room, experts in legal, deal structuring, branding, PR. And they have like intimate mentor sessions with them. They get to build camaraderie and relationships with one another as the entrepreneurs. They get to practice their pitches for the judges they are going to judge them the next day. And they really have this full day of just like it's kind of like a mini business school. Learn as much as you can. Do you find that many of these startups don't have business skills? I wouldn't say that. I think it's like, you know, you're just trying to build your business day in and day out, and you, you have to focus on that. And this doing this one day kind of takes them out of it a little bit, and that they're like, oh, I, you know, I've been, I'm a tech company. I've been really focused on how do I build relationships with corporates or how do I build the MVP of my technology, but I wasn't thinking about the brand. I wasn't thinking about how I should structure my Series B round when I'm fundraising when I'm just in this infancy of my seed stage. Like, they start to just have a lot of information around yeah, them. It would seem like a creativity it. doesn't have to go hand in hand with business skills. I mean, getting the right people together. To an extent. It, it depends on like which entrepreneur, which startup. But but I would say that they kind of say, you know, I took a day out of my life, my building my business life, but I got to get all these different intros and different insights. And also, of course, the insights from the other entrepreneurs that are there who are facing similar challenges, building similar businesses. So they do that. And then there's a pitch day, which is, you know, a traditional pitch competition. It's There's hundreds of people in the room. It's it's focused on investment, but it's also focused on 
Rabobank bringing our, our corporates into the room so that they can pitch for these potential partners. There's a lot of media there covering it to see what's kind of the cutting edge of food and ag innovation. Uh, and then what we started with was this pitch competition. Now it's built into two days, and we started to build a continuous community around that. We say, hey, do you want to meet with X, Y, and Z? They really, they're really interested in thinking about partnering with you. We have a database of thousands of startups, and we're always thinking about, like, how can we continue to build relationships? And do you sometimes do that with those who maybe didn't make it, but yes. they have a great idea? Maybe they don't have the right skills, but you yep. match them up with somebody else? Yep, absolutely. So we have a database of thousands of companies that have applied, but we also, you know, we have two 250 now alumni of the platform. We're looking at everyone who's ever sort of come across our radar, who's an innovator in this space. So yeah, that's what happens over the two days. But we kind of say that it's it's a discovery platform, but it's also like the beginning of a relationship where Rabobank can kind of be this connector, be this matchmaker, be this like champion for both sides. of. Tell me about the judges. How many and who are these people? They change every every food waste has a, has had a different grouping of judges. I think we've had something like seventy five. It's probably closer to one hundred uh, and mentors. Um, but essentially, they're they're some of our sponsors and partners. They're legal experts who work with startups to help them structure their deals and figure out how to engage with investors. They are actual investors in either the CPG space or on the tech side. They are sometimes policy experts who are really focused on, like, sustainable food policy. And so that, some academics? Yeah, academics. Um, exactly. So literally we've had judges sort of from all across the board. We've also started having an alumni come on as a judge to sort of speak from that firsthand perspective of this is what happened when I was there. That's we a have, great idea. Yeah, we have yeah. Abby Ramanan from Impact Vision who is an, is an alumni of our platform, and she's been very involved. She's also based out here. We want the judging panel to be able to provide varying expertise. So, and does it always happen in the same city? It's global. Um, we've been in San Francisco the most. We've been in you know Silicon Valley the, the most. This is our sixth San Francisco edition. But we've been in Australia. We've been in London. We've been in the Netherlands, New York. We're headed to Chicago in September. Uh, we were in Boulder. We were in Austin. Um, but yeah, we're... So how many times a year are we talking about? So we, we were doing three to four for a while globally. For 2020 and 2019, we're doing two. So that we can really focus on doing more and providing more value for everyone in our ecosystem in the in-between. Okay, so this year you have how many participants? We have 15 companies. And two are from the Bay Area. Yes. One of them I'm particularly interested in, that's Snap DNA. Yes. We talk a little bit about some of the challenges uh, that the companies are solving, and one of them is sort of this idea of transparency. It's this idea of, you know, we all know about recalls that are happening in food all the time, and there's a lot of opacity around what happens from the field to your plate or wherever it comes from. So there are companies, there are a lot of innovation in this space that's happening around uh, food safety and pathogen detection. So that SnapDNA is one of those companies that's really creating a real-time test for folks in the food supply chain to get that information on whether food is safe or whether it has certain pathogens. Um, and we've seen a number of different sort of innovators come through that are focused on this, but this is something, as the point I just made, that's very, very relevant to the corporate that could folks save in the so room. much money. It's about efficiency. It's obviously about safety. It's about consumer trust, which we know consumers want safer food, more sustainable food, healthier, more nutritious, cleaner, and they're willing to pay pay more for it as well. So this is something that's important to all those players. Okay. And the other one is Planetarians, and they're yes. out of Palo Alto. Do you know much about yes, them? Yes, I do. And so Planetarians is a is an upcycling company, which what does that mean? So it's, uh, and Clara 
I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but the, it is a waste stream that's upcycled into a new new food, essentially. So they are taking defatted seeds, um, which are a byproduct of the um, vegetable oil process, and they are basically making that into a very nutritious, protein-rich flour. So they just announced today that they got that they just raised a $750,000 seed round, and one of their investors is Barilla is the largest pasta producer in the world. So a company like Barilla, like to just give you an example, is looking at this upcycling space and saying, yeah, of course we make pasta out of wheat, but we know that consumers want different things. Consumers want chickpea pasta. They want gluten-free pasta. They they don't, they want, still want traditional pasta, but let's look at ways that we can really provide something that consumers are starting to really That's interesting. Behind. I've had a couple of your alumni on this show, yes. and one of them was Andrew Brentano, who yes. does cricket protein. Yes. And the other people were Imperfect Produce, and they yeah. also yeah. were trying to save money by getting rid of waste in the food marketplace. Yep. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. Today I'm speaking with Nina Myers of Food Bites and Claire Schlemme, CEO and founder of Oakland-based Renewal Mill. So I, I want to kind of shift over here sure. and to Claire Schlemme. And Claire, you were an alumni of Food Bites a couple years ago. Yes. We got up to the point where we're talking about judging. You made it to the finals. Sure. What happened? So as Nina mentioned, it's, um, you know, really it was a two-day event for us. So the first day before the actual pitch competition, um, we had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different experts in different fields, which was, which was really great. So, you know, I think going back to that point, even, even with um, some business experience under our belt, it was like, it was a lot of really quick, concentrated information that we were able to, to get from that day, which was excellent. So a lot of, you know, touching on all these legal issues, packaging issues, marketing issues. So really being able to touch all those different points. And then also being able to have uh, a pitch in front of the judges before the actual competition was also so a like great a practice pitch. It was a practice pitch. Yeah. Um, we got feedback on it, which was great. We could incorporate the feedback into our pitch for the next day, which was also very helpful. And Maybe really, you should tell us about your company. That's Absolutely. So so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Renewal Mill. Um, and Renewal Mill upcycles byproducts from food manufacturing into high-quality ingredients and products. Um, so essentially, we're building, um, we're building a portfolio of ingredients that are all being sourced from different byproducts. So the first, like what? So the first ingredient that we brought to market commercially is called Okara flour, um, and it's made from the byproduct from soy milk production. So it's it's basically taking the soybean pulp that's generated uh, when soy milk is made. Uh, we dry it, mill it, and turn it into a high fiber, high protein, uh, gluten free flour. So that's one example. There's a lot of other other places in the food system where this type of waste is happening. So particularly in you know food manufacturing waste is a really good place to be looking at food waste because it's kind of low-hanging fruit in terms of being able to attack the food waste problem. Things coming out of a food manufacturing facility are food safe already because they're in this in this facility, and they're often very concentrated um, in this in their scale because it's you know food production is pretty concentrated. So you have the ability to you know, hit that economy of scale that you need to make a, a profitable business or make a business that can make sense. So we're focused primarily on these fibrous byproduct streams. So anything that's coming 
coming from really coming from that first step of bringing in anything from the field, the fruits, the vegetables, the beans, things like that. And you get a lot of fiber rich byproducts because a lot of what we're processing out of our food system right now is fiber, (laughs) even though that's the one macronutrient that Western diets are very deficient in. So we're starting with Okara. Okara production in the U.S. is very concentrated, actually. There's just a handful of major uh, production facilities. So it's a strategic starting point for us from that point of view. From there, we're looking at other byproducts of uh, non-dairy milk production. So within this big world of fibrous byproducts, we're looking specifically at these non-dairy milk byproduct streams. So um, the byproducts coming out of uh, almond milk production, oat milk production, that's where we're going to be headed uh, So anything with holes. Exactly, yeah. So you're up before the judges and you know your company well. Mm -hmm. What what happened? What did they ask you? What Give us the scenario. That's a that's a great question. So we so a lot of the feedback the feedback always helps you kind of see things, you know, obviously from outside eyes that haven't heard your story a million times. Like basically a panel with different backgrounds be able to weigh in on, you know, things that are causing confusion for them or things that didn't quite come across right. So really being able to make sure that we can t- really hone in on the right story that we want to be telling and making sure that it's coming across that way and being received that way by the judges. And also making sure that we're presenting all the information that somebody would want to know. So making sure that we're, you know, we've addressed issues like competition in the field or kind of what our growth strategy is and making sure that we haven't left something kind of major out that a judge would want to see. So that was very helpful. And I think it was also just helpful to get a sense of what the space is like. And, you know, it's it's a pretty big event with with quite a few attendees. So it's nice to to feel comfortable on the stage and in front of the judges. And how many minutes them. are you up there? It's three minutes now. Wow, so that's I, not much time. Competitions, it's pretty tight, um, but the judges also ask questions after the companies go so that it's like another layer of sort of engagement and that's and do a, they get materials ahead of time yes yeah, so they're they spend obviously they're with each other the day before but they also get materials many days in advance and they have now they have meetings with some of the startups so claire participated two years ago and we've really continued to evolve what the programming looks like as people we always get feedback so the entrepreneurs say mm-hmm. i actually want more time with investors that are i know i'm going to meet the right investors so we're doing actually an investor power hour for the first time this time around where we're strategically matching them with one or two investors and we're doing it's not speed dating because it's like 20 minutes but basically meetings um with those specific folks whose investment these theses align with what the startups are doing is the networking what they win or do you actually get funding there isn't direct funding as a result of Food Bites, but there are a number of prizes. One of the main ones is for all the three winners is that they – Rabobank hosts a huge summit in New York at the end of the year, so December, and all of our corporate – clients, so big food and ag companies, are there. And the winners across all the events from that year get to come and pitch and have targeted meetings with the corporates that are relevant for their businesses. And they have a few days where they're just really targeted and meeting with folks that can potentially help them as partners. So that's one main prize. And then a lot of our sponsors who are, like we said, experts in many different fields, there's also consultations with them so that they can get you know five hours of legal consultation on how to structure their deal. They can and get a PR consultation and branding consultation on how to build the best investor materials and decks and you know present their brand in the best possible Claire, way. Claire, what was it you found to be the most useful out of winning this yeah. competition? So so we weren't the, the winners from our cohort. We were in the finalists. But actually kind of going back again to to all the all the people that we meet during the two days, that was a very valuable thing for us um, that made 
the participation in the in the event like very worthwhile for us. So we actually continued to have some conversations with uh, some of the lawyers that we met there to to talk about some of the legal legal structuring, you know, some of the the agreements that we were currently in the in the process of structuring. And we also uh, had continued conversation with folks that were very knowledgeable about packaging for food products because there's a there's a lot that goes into making sure that the product fits all the legal regulations and the requirements that was great to have both of those connections coming out of coming out of food bites once you get involved with mm-hmm. say a VC or some sort of funding source do you ever worry about losing your company's mission that it will begin to sort of move away from you. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So, actually one of the one of the things that we did when we first founded the company thinking about that very point um, was that we incorporated as a as a public benefit corporation. So, we wanted that to be really built into our mission and so um, you know, we we structured that into the type of business we actually were. And one of the pieces of kind of feedback that we got at the very beginning was that maybe you don't want to do that because you might, you know, you might be closing yourself off to investors that aren't interested in in investing in a in a benefit corporation and we said that's that's exactly why we want to do this because it essentially like you know is going to going to kind of self select the types of investors that we're looking for so that was that was kind of the first layer and then the second of course is making sure that when we're talking to investors that we we do have that mission alignment um, as we're as we're taking on investment getting back to you Nina you've done this for several years now what trends in agriculture are you seeing pop up from these startup companies. I mean, you know, you talked about some of the problems in the ag industry. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing overall? Yeah, well, a major trend, I'd say, across food tech, ag tech, and CPG is, is this idea of waste mitigation. So upcycling is one avenue in which that's happening. Another one is, of course, packaging. You know, we're seeing more and more edible packaging. We're seeing more compostable packaging, plant-based packaging. We have uh, a company that's pitching in Food Bites called Coromat, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're making compostable, plant-based packaging. That's, that's awesome basically, because all these cities are now saying it's too expensive to recycle. Exactly. And regula- from a regulatory perspective, that this sort of clampdown is increasing. It's happened in Europe. We're seeing lots of innovation in the packaging world in Europe, and it's starting to happen here. That's one massive trend and huge need that startups are really looking to solve, um, and obviously an incredible opportunity for collaboration on the corporate side of things as they start to realize we really, really need to be focusing on that. It's it's happening. Why are you giving me a why, plastic bag? Why are you giving me a straw? Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's one place where we're seeing a lot, a lot of innovation. Um, and then on the waste mitigation side as well, right? Like stopping waste before it can happen. So more and more technology companies are saying let's let's use data and technology to stop waste before it can happen. So a company like Winnow, who's come through our platform, they basically have a scale for food service and back of house at restaurants that weighs waste as it's going out and then gives restaurants a better picture of their wastage so that they can decrease that. They're What's cooking. the incentive for someone to reduce their waste at the restaurant level? Money. They save restaurants globally $25 million a year, and they're not that big yet. I mean, they're just starting out. So it's 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 money. Uh, it sounds like you've put together yes. a lot of qualitative data. Yes. we Like I said, we started with a very, very small team, and for the last year or so, we've built out the team, like I said. So we've just brought in a data analyst who is amazing and 
we're sort of at the tip of the iceberg for like what data are we sitting on and and what are we seeing but yes we we have a really good picture of trends that are happening that's one major major trend that we're seeing the other one is is sort of just the environmental impact of climate food change production of climate change and and also hand in hand with that that consumers have more and more knowledge of that and are demanding yeah, look at the Midwest right now products. all yes. the, the flooding and that's yes. that used to be our breadbasket that's something that has to change. And startups are really heeding that call on the plant-based foods side of things as well. Just if we're talking about packaged foods in general, we're seeing so much innovation in that space. We're seeing like at least 40% of the companies that apply, that have like a product um, that apply to Food Bites are in some way related to the plant-based space. To sort of talk about some of the companies that are pitching coming up in San Francisco, um, we're seeing new and novel plant-based proteins. So we have a company called Tali, and they are making water lily seed puffs. So we see like the puffs as like a huge category in the food product world, but this is a new type of puff. It's basically bringing in an heirloom varietal. It's uh, got more protein, more nutritious. They're doing some really interesting flavors. So we're we're seeing companies like that who are bringing this plant-based protein view to snacking. Mm-hmm. We also have a company called Gem, and they basically have the first FDA-regulated supplement product, food supplement. It's for women, by women. It's made from algae and a number of different plants. It's real food. It's clean food. So we're, we're seeing things in that type of space. It, I was just at Expo West, which is the largest natural foods show in the country, and I think it's 1,500 exhibitors, 90,000 people. Where was it? It's in Anaheim. It's 90,000 people. So it's very, very intense, and there's a lot of companies that are doing very similar things. There's the plant-based trend just continues to grow year over year. So whether that's new algae products, that's lots of cauliflower products, you, you see the confluence of a lot of trends. Are any um, UC Berkeley professors or policy people judging this year? Not this year, okay. but next year. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> Can anyone go to this? Yes. Uh, it's open to the public. We really want people there who care about these issues, who care about sustainable food and ag, who want to see what the innovators at the bleeding edge of, of uh, you know, sustainable innovation are doing. Next Thursday, the 28th of March, starting at 2 p.m., it's really an opportunity to see these 15 startups pitch, to engage with them and see their products and technologies, have some delicious food and drinks, and, you know, if you want to get into food or if you're a journalist or if you're a student and this is where the world you think you want to go into, we absolutely encourage you to come. If you're an investor or you're a food corporate and you're trying to figure out what's next, we 1 million percent encourage you to come. And uh, you have a website. Foodbitesworld.com. Instagram is Food Bites by Rabobank. We've profiled all the companies who are going to be pitching. There's lots of content. Claire's on there somewhere. Yeah, so check us out on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, and then foodbitesworld.com is where you can get tickets to come and see us next week. And Claire, your business is located where? Uh, We're in Oakland. Okay. What have your challenges been since you participated in Food Bites? Oh, that's a good question. Our our biggest challenge, I would say, is that so working in the byproduct space, we're really a bridge builder between the, the production and then bringing that into the market. We have less control over being able to scale in in a way that other companies might might be able to have as they're as they're creating products. So we're we're really bound to the amount of byproducts that are coming out of certain facilities. Um, so so being able to match that production 
with the sales is really is really I would say like one of our biggest challenges. So it kind of swings back and forth from you know having having more demand than we have uh, production for to you know having more more supply of the ingredient than we you know currently have have sales for. So it's it's kind of balancing back and forth as we try to f- strike that perfect balance as we bring these ingredients on board. And are most of your sources local? So right now they are. So our first source is in Oakland, which is why we started out in Oakland and why we're based there. So our first partner facility is Hodo Foods, um, and they're a tofu manufacturer. So the first step of making tofu is making the soy milk, and so that's that's where we're basically harvesting the okara from, is from Hodo. And our next two facilities that we um, will likely be using as our sources of production are also in uh, Northern California. When you sort of spoke about what did they get out of this, the alumni who've come through our platforms have raised a combined $550 million. Um, I believe it was something like 150 last year. So even though it's not directly a prize, this is this is what we've seen as the companies who've come out of, who we've chosen, who we've selected. This is how they're moving forward and getting that investment to scale their companies. You must be checking the failure rate of these companies as they yes. as they leave food bites. What yes. what is the failure rate? It's under 10% because we have we we're doing really like a lot of due diligence in the process of picking the ones that we think are really going to be successful. It's it's relatively low. It's lower than the average. Do you have a business background? I actually went to college in upstate New York at Skidmore College. I studied at a liberal arts school, uh, and I had was working in uh, at a sustainable restaurant, a farm-to-table restaurant, the summer after college. And my mom is a chef, and so I grew up around food. Food is my whole life. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next when I moved to New York during the recession in 2009. I started working for a restaurant company in New York in the creative department. I got sort of my foot in the door there and started working on marketing and uh, design for the restaurants. So that was really, I sort of honed my skills there in the on the marketing side of things. Started to realize through being in New York that what I really cared about was sustainability in, in food and agriculture and trying to figure out what to do next. I then went on to work for Food Tech Connect, which is a site of record for food innovation, essentially. Um, we did a lot of events in the space and meetups and consulting and hackathons, which is really all focused on sustainable food and agriculture. Uh, so I was there. I was working with startups directly, spent about four years there, and then we started working together with, with Rabobank to build Food Bites out from its infancy. Claire, how did you get into this yes. part of the world? So I, so my background is actually in environmental management. So I have my master's in environmental um, management from the Yale School of Forestry. I had primarily actually been involved mostly in the space of um, sustainability and energy, and so I had worked at a renewable energy startup in India and was, um, you know, worked with like UN climate change. But you know, I, I started to realize how how important the food system is in the space of sustainability. And I kind of my first transition into into food was actually co-founding a juice company in Boston where I was living at the time. So we were started as a as a food truck and we were connecting farmers uh, to to folks in the city through juices and smoothies. And then in that process saw how much waste is created when you're juicing. You know, it was really a kind of like this moral issue, you know, at the end of the day, we, we you know, we'd sourced all this great produce from these farmers and it was all organic. It was like mostly local. Um, you know, spent a lot of money to buy all this produce and we're we're throwing out a huge amount of it at the end of the day, all that pulp that's left over from juicing. On the uh, the other side, of course, we're selling the pro- the product that we are making, we're selling at a price point that's 
pretty high for for the you know it wasn't a, a super affordable food for for much of the city, and so those two pieces together kind of were you know really struck me as a challenge, and that was that was a space that I really wanted to continue working in after I left that company. So when I had um, really just a fortuitous conversation with the owner of of Hodo Foods in Oakland, the owner of the Tofu Factory, and saw that. You know, he had this challenge with his byproduct that he was producing, which was very similar to what I had seen at the juice company, but at this much bigger scale. And that it wasn't just Okara. It was, you know, lots of different opportunities and lots of different sources of these types of byproducts. That was really the beginning of, of Renewal Mill was looking into into how we can solve both food waste and also um, in, increase affordable nutrition in the food system. Claire really pioneered this space and now there's a company that's much younger than you but it's called pulp pantry and they're doing they're solving the problem that claire just outlined which is like entrepreneurial serendipity they they saw the same problem and they're making like value-added snacks out of juice pulp Wow, you should all yeah. join forces and become the next Nabisco. I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly, but a better That's Nabisco. exactly that's right, what, that's what right. Food Bites wants to have happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else that is coming up with Food Bites besides this conference next week? Robo has a whole other food and ag innovation platform called Terra. It is basically the next step in the cycle for startups to engage with Robo after Food Bites. That's what Terra is all about. Uh, we're going into our fourth cohort and applications are open now. Terra is like, how can we do the best possible matchmaking for startups and corporates? So applications are open now. That website is terraaccelerator.com. Uh, they're open. They close on April 26th. So any startups, anyone you think is interesting, you can learn about the corporates that are participating to see. So you can learn more there. In, in addition to kind of all of the the structured support that's coming out of Food Bites. I think the other piece that was really valuable to us was actually meeting the other uh, companies that were pitching. And there, there's been some valuable connections that we've had in terms of the, the business and actually finding finding uses for, you know, our flower with some of the other companies that have been um, on the on the platform. But also just really to talk to other entrepreneurs and and be able to just talk about some of the other challenges that you're facing, you know, from, from a business perspective and also from a personal perspective as well. So it's a really, you know, I think it's a really great community of entrepreneurs that are being brought together as well. Well, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes University. We'll be back again in two weeks. <laughs>